Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. A brief list of things humanity made us make laws for. Written by A.J. Rail. Number one. Convincing a person that they were abducted by redecorating their house to look like they're living on another planet and then forcing them to play absurd fees to get home is still a ransom. Number two. Saying, but they never moved is not an acceptable legal defense. Number three, building rockets on a planet and physically moving it into human territory does not make humanity the owner of said planet. Number four, the definition of intercourse has been expanded to include any orifice or vaguely phallic bodily appendage if at least one party is human. Number five, the above law has been further expanded. Machines, non-sapien life forms, and food now count as partners. Number six, in the event that a judge ruling over a human trial has sex with said human, that judge is considered a compromised and a different judge must take over the case. The love monkey defense is now illegal. Number seven, no matter how impressive they may seem, any schematics designed by a human engineer must be thoroughly checked by another non-human engineer. This law was created when the Galatech army was forced to attack a suspension bridge that was attacking and terrorizing a city. Number 8. An independent committee has been created to check all food products sold by humans and recall any that are made of sapient species. Number 9. Fireworks capable of creating a magnitude 5 earthquake are to be treated as weapons of mass destruction and not allowed to be used at parties. Number 10. Tampering with the translation software in order to make the first contact uh, more amusing is now a felony. Number 11. The phrase, I thought it would be more fun with a giant death laser, is not a valid legal defense for any crime. Number 12. Anti-theft laws now define property as matter and antimatter. This was changed after a human stole trillions of dollars of antimatter fuel and successfully argued that it was not property according to current laws avoiding any charges. Number 13. While we do waive laws in some cases, if a law cannot properly be translated into the language of the accused species, converting the language of a law from one language to another 20 times until it is no longer readable by anyone does not count. Number 13. Root beer is not a cure-all. It does not extend life. Work as a love potion or let you fly. Selling it as such is now a class A misdemeanor. Number 14. Before selling any flying devices, humans must prove that it works by a demonstration. This was created due to a recent uptick in four related deaths. End of story. Story number two. Not that kind of engineer. Written by Alt Cipher. Come, my child, sit with me, Mother said. What is this place, Mother? The child asked. This is a memorial, the mother said. It is a place we created to remember a very special person. Is that what the statue is? Yes, my child. But why did we make the statue so small? It's not any bigger than I am, the child said. 
because that was the actual size of the person who helped us. The mother said, he was from a race called humans. He was a full-grown male of their species and was barely over the waist of most of our people. How could such a small creature help us? He's so little. Yes, my child, our people once thought that way as well, the mother said. Sit here on the bench with me, and I'll tell you a story of when the human came to our world. The child sat, and the mother talked. Long ago, before my mother's mother's time, a bright ball of fire fell from the heavens. It tore a great strip of land when it crashed not too far from here. Many of our warriors went out to investigate. Even the bravest of them dared not approach the burning field too closely. Our people stood and watched as the fire burned hotter than any that we had ever known. Until they heard a scream, that is. They knew that something was trapped in there, but it wasn't a brave warrior who went to look at it. The youngest and newest of the elders strode bravely through the burning crops and searching for the swells of the scream. When he emerged, the youngest elder was carrying a small burden, covered in ash and soot, with patches of fur burnt away. The youngest elder carried the small creature into our village to see the wise woman. The elder gently placed him on the bed while the wise woman went to work. The human, for it was a human that the youngest elder rescued, was injured and our people were worried for him. For you see, he was so small that we thought that it was someone's pet. To be given such a ship that would sail the skies might have made him very beloved pet indeed. We worried that should this creature die, its master would hold us responsible. But humans are tougher than they look. The human healed and regained his strength. Oh, not quickly and not at all at once, but he did recover. He watched us as we went about our days. He listened as we spoke. He was attentive to this new world he found himself in. Many months after we found the human, when we still thought him a pet, the human said a word. We didn't know what he said, for that has been lost to time. But what we do know is that he startled the wise woman who was still looking after him. Then she ran screaming into the street. The elders and the warriors came to see the pet who could talk. They said the wise woman must have misheard, that her old ears were playing tricks on her. But no, the elders and the warriors heard the human with their own ears. He told them, thank you. There was much commotion and consternation at hearing this human talk. It took time before we realized that he was not a pet of some great master, but a person in his own right. This human learned our language. It took time, but he was determined to communicate. When he finally knew enough of our words, we asked him how he came to our world. He told us that he was an engineer. It was a word that did not exist until that moment. He explained that he built things. We asked what kind of things, and he told us that he did not have the words to understand it. He told us that it was part of an experiment, another new word, and there had been an accident. Something happened that caused his ship to fall out of the sky, but that he was very grateful to us for saving him. He told us his ship was falling, and he was certain that he would die. If not, when he hit, then shortly after. He thanked us for the second chance at life. The elders asked him to help us bring more water to the village. The human looked at our pipes and runs that brought the water from the spring to our village. 
He said that he could not help better them as he was not that kind of engineer. He did not know there were kinds of engineers, so this surprised us. The elders asked him to help us build things for a better harvest. He looked over the thrashers and our plows and gold tools, but he could not help better them as he was not that kind of engineer. The elders came to him a third time and asked him to help us build our children stronger, to make them smarter, to heal better, and to listen to the parents more attentively. The human sat and watched our children play. He watched our children laugh in the sunlight and sleep in the darkness. But he said that he could not help better them as they were not that kind of engineer. The human had lived with us for nearly a full season when the Vakta attacked. The Vakta were a cruel and vicious tribe from the mountains. They would often raid the village near the harvest, for crops would not grow on the rocky soil and hilly terrain of their homeland. Their people thrived on conquest and battle. They knew nothing of glowing things and tending to flocks. They knew only of preying upon other people. When the human heard that the Vakta were coming soon, he asked several of the warriors to come with him as he wrecked his ship. He had never visited it and only rarely spoken of the ship since he came to our world, so this surprised our people. Many of our bravest warriors went with the human to his ship, and he instructed them to what to do. Move this, carry that, bend or tear, lift or crush. The warriors listened, for the human had gained their trust by that time. On the eighth morning, after the trip to the human ship, the Vakta appeared on the edge of the foothills. A great raiding party marched towards our village. They knew our warriors would be no match against their strength, and so they employed no cunning. The early light glinting off their crude edge weapons, their piecemeal armor rattled as they approached. But the Vactar were stunned when they saw no warriors awaiting them in the fields outside the village, as had always happened before. The only one there to greet them was a lone, small human with a large metal sculpture near him. You see... The human bade the warriors and our elders, every person in the village, to stay inside and offer no resistance to the Vakta. The chief of the Vakta marched upon the tiny human. The chief was insulted that the village had left only a small animal and a statue to guard their village. The Vakta were mighty warriors, and such a grave insult would not go unanswered. When the chief was a dozen paces from the human, the smaller creature shouted for the chief to hold. The chief was surprised the animal could talk and crashed to a halt in sheer surprise. The human looked up into the scarred and worn face of the chief. The human said that if the Vakta turned and left now, he would let them live. He would show them mercy. While we did not understand the word engineer, the Vakta did not understand the word mercy, even though it was in our tongue as... With many things, they decided it was an insult, and since they could not understand it, the chief raised a mighty war club and let out a deafening battle cry. Our people watched this from the village, terrified of what the Vactar would do now that their blood was up. The chief leaned forward to begin charging at the human. The chief was twice as tall and ten times as strong as the human. But the human was clever. A thousand times more clever than the chief. As the chief took the first step towards the tiny human, the sculpture next to him let out a great and beastly roar. A spear of light, a hundred times brighter than the sun, they say, leapt out towards the chief. There was nothing left of the brutal Vectar chief. 
his footprints smoldering where he stood. The Vector War Party was enraged. How near this tiny, pitiful excuse for a warrior destroy their beloved and mighty chief? How dare these low plains farmers stand up against the strong and deadly Vector? They charged at the human with bloodlust in their hearts and screams on their tongues. The sculpture next to the human gave another mighty roar as a great swath of Vector were no more. But they still charged. The human would point at the sculpture and then swivel the lay waste to anything in that direction. Left, right, center, again and again. The war party was thinning and yet they had not so much cause come within a spear length of the tiny human. Finally, with over half of the war party destroyed by the weird metal sculpture, the survivors turned and ran. They realized that they stood no chance against the human. Their weapons and strength were no match for a creature that stood no taller than the belts they fastened about themselves. Their shame was all-consuming, and they wept as they ran. Back to the hills, back to the mountains, into the caves and fortresses the Vector ran. But it was not enough. The human was not satisfied. We had told them how the Vector came every harvest. We had told them how they were prideful. We had told them how they had never been defeated in battle. We told them how they had killed elders and warriors and mothers and wise women and children with no regard for the destruction that they caused. And the human took those messages to heart. He stepped to the metal sculpture with his hands were busy across the inside of it. For a time, our people heard banging and human language as a small creature busied himself. Finally, the human stepped back from the sculpture, his work completed. He's left the sculpture and walked back to the village. The elders came out to meet him at first, but he held up his hand to forestall them. He walked to them, meeting them at the edge of the village. The human turned to face the sculpture, still in the field, and spoke a single word in human tongue. The greatest roar yet tore forth from the sculpture with the light that blinded those elders who did not turn their heads in time. The very air around the village seemed to scream as the light burst forth. When the light hit the mountains where the Vector lived, it began to shake them. Boulders came loose and careened down the slopes. An avalanche of rock and dirt rolled downwards as the waves crashed against the shore. Massive clouds of dust rose up and swallowed the mountains. The land beneath the feet of our people shook and rumbled. Even the bravest warriors feared for their lives and the lives of everyone in the village. Yet the human stood quietly and watched it all without fear and without pity. When it was done, when the sculpture had fallen quiet, when the land no longer shook, when the heat and the light had died away, the human, this engineer, looked over at what he had wrought. The mountains laid low. Nothing stood but rubble and death. Everything within five days' walk was coated in dust and grime. The Vector had been crushed and pulverized in their mountain caves and fortresses. Warriors and mothers and elders and children, all were dead and destroyed. Never more would the Vector disturb our village or any other. Never again would any mothers cry out the Vector's raiders smashed in the heads of their children. Never again would the elders be forced to kneel to the Vector chiefs or the Vector were no more. Our very mountains themselves had been reduced to gravel, changing the landscape and even the weather around the village. All of this done, 
by one small human who had crashed into our village from the sky. As he walked back into the village, the human paused by the elders and said, That's the kind of engineer I am. And so we honor him yet with a statue by telling his story, by passing along what he taught us, that a person's strength is not always something that one can see from the outside, that you cannot judge a person's worth until you know them, that any of us can make a difference and all of us are important. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.